Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. What's going on, Centerpoint Church? Good morning. Oh man, I'm excited to be with you. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Aaron. I have the privilege of being the youth pastor uh, here at Centerpoint Church. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, God's doing amazing things in the youth, and I'm, I'm so privileged to be a part of it. We're in a new series, guys. It's called Legends. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're a legend. Come on. Come on. This is turn, turn to your neighbor and say, You're a legend. We're in this series called Legends this morning. It's about people in the Bible of great faith that have become legendary. They've become legendary for the way that they've operated with God, in his spirit, towards other people, filled with the power of God. And so we're gonna start out with something. I, I kind of wanted to go a little bit a different way. And, and this guy's a legend, but he's a stubborn legend, okay? A very, very stubborn legend. But I love this, that even if you're stubborn, God can still use you. It's really, really good news. So if you would turn with me to the book of Jonah, yeah, we're going there. <laughs> if you would turn with me to the book of Jonah, uh, I have gr- I've got a great spot to preach today because I'm going on vacation tomorrow morning. So if you don't like the word, you could take it up with Pastor Rick, okay? Um, but open up your Bible to the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah, uh, you know, I'm a pastor and it was the hardest book in the Bible to find for me. Uh, it's right after Obadiah. Um, so you go past Ezekiel, uh, past Daniel, Hosea, Amos, and then Obadiah, and then there's Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's on page 746, if that makes sense to you, all right? <laughs> so we're going to be in this, uh, in this series called Legends, and we're talking about Jonah. And so I, I want to jump straight in here, but before we do it, do you mind praying with me? Holy Spirit, Come. <laughs> God, we just ask that you would open up our ears, that you would speak to us, God. We thank you that you're not a distant God, that you're not far away, Jesus. I thank you that this morning we haven't come to check off a religious box. We've come to hear from your spirit. And we invite you, God, I ask that you would, uh, you would speak through me and you would do whatever you wanna do this morning. We give you full reign and full access. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, let's jump straight in. Jonah chapter one, uh, verse one to three says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Everyone say Amittai. Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. What a way to start a story. Usually when you read a prophetic book, you see someone of great faith, they hear the word of the Lord and they obey, not with Jonah. 
Jonah hears the word of the Lord, comes to this prophet named Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah means dove, which is used in the New Testament to represent the anointing on Jesus, represents in the Old Testament the sending out of the dove that Noah sends to signify the new life that God had provided, and it signifies innocence in Jesus' words. But this dove isn't being very innocent here. Dove, son of Amittai, which means truth. So this dove, this son of truth, hears from God. He's a Hebrew sent to this non-Jewish people, Nineveh, who are committing atrocities, who are doing wicked acts. These Assyrian people, and he goes the opposite direction. Now, I know when we read stories, sometimes it's like, I would never. That Jonah, oh my gosh, he's not listening to the word of God. Or we have this opposite response. I can think of a couple people who are exactly the same way. (laughs) Probably the wrong response. Can you see yourself in Jonah? Some of us in the room, and I know this isn't the way I usually want to start a sermon. Some of us are in the room, but are standing in direct opposition to the call that God has for our lives. Some of us, God has called us into something. He's called us out of something. He's called us to be something. And we've heard his voice, but in stubbornness, in our own flesh, in our own desire, in our own will, we have decided to take a stance in direct opposition to what he's called us to. You see, this story of of Jonah, it's a prophetic book because Jonah's a prophet and he's called by God to go speak and a prophet is one that speaks on behalf of God, but it's a prophetic book in its entirety because it actually represents the people of Israel. The innocent people chosen by God, sons of truth, called by God, chosen to be his people, chosen to be a light to the nations, but standing in direct opposition to what God had called them to. And I think before we get into this, that we need to take a good look at ourselves. And let me tell you something. This is not to beat you down. This isn't about condemnation. This is to cheer you on. Condemnation never bears fruit, but honesty does. Let me say that again. Condemnation never bears fruit, but honesty does. That means we have to be honest about where we're at with the Lord. Are we walking with him? Are we following his word? Are we standing in direct opposition to what he's called us to? What a way to start a message. Everyone say, I love Jesus. Okay. (laughs) I love Jesus. Say, I love the Bible. All right, so, so what happens is Jonah goes the opposite way, but the Lord's not going to let him off that easy. And you guys know the story. The Lord's not going to let him off that easy, right? And so what happens is, what happens is he gets on this boat, he goes with these pagan, uh, these pagan sailors, and God causes a storm to happen. God's coming after him. He's like, Jonah, you ain't getting away that easy. I'm, I'm going to cause a storm. The, the sailors get uh, really afraid. Jonah's sleeping at the bottom of the boat. They wake him up. They're like, ask your God to save us. What are you doing? They find out it's his fault, and they get terrified. Picking up in verse 9, follow with me here. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord of the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this for, they had all, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. In other words, Noah, you stupid. Or Noah, I'm sorry, Jonah, you stupid, right? Right? 
And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Now, my question is, why was this the first resort that Jonah had? What do we do, Jonah? Hey, just kill me. Why was that the first resort of Jonah to get tossed over the boat? Listen, he realized that he had disobeyed God. And in God's justice, if you would disobey God, that means I deserve this. I get it, guys. It's my fault. Toss me over. But I think I get this sense that Jonah would also rather die than fulfill the call that, he had, that God had for him. He's like, just toss me over because I know if I actually just say, hey, God, come through. I'm just going to go to Nineveh. But no, 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 just toss me over so I die so I don't have to go to Nineveh because I think he's still going to call me there. (laughs) Think about how stubborn this guy is, right? And so it picks up, and I love this so much. They throw him into the sea, and what happens is uh, the storm stops. So in verse 15, it says this, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Get this, this is so crazy. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Okay. You got Jonah, dove, dove of a man, son of truth, called by God, prophet, hears directly from the word of the Lord, and runs away from him. You with me? Runs away from him, disobeys the Lord, goes the complete opposite direction from where God had called him to be, and what happens? Pagan sailors encounter God, sacrifice to him, and change their lives. You have Jonah disobeying the very word of Yahweh, going the opposite direction, and what happens? Salvation comes to people. Get this. God's grace is greater than our disobedience. God's grace is greater than our disobedience. I read this verse the last two weeks and it blew my mind. It's in Psalms chapter 76, verse 10. And it says this, human defiance only enhances your glory for you use it as a weapon. You can't out-sin God's grace. I'm gonna say it again. You cannot out-sin God's grace. Listen, don't get, don't get me wrong here. God, he, he commands obedience. He desires obedience. First John says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And anyone who walks in him should walk in the light as he is in the light. And it says that anyone who walks in the light cannot make a practice of sinning. Why? Because you're walking in the light, which is walking in him. God's not okay with sin. He's just bigger than it. Are you with me? God calls us to obedience, but disobedience, he's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not biting his nails at you backsliding. 
Because what does scripture say? It says, even your defiance is a weapon in his hand. That means even when you go the opposite way, even when you disobey, even when you hear and go the opposite way, God can actually use your disobedience to bring about his purposes and his glory. This is crazy, crazy news. What if the very thing that you're feeling like is separating from God, God's saying, I'm not afraid of your sin right now. I'm not afraid of your disobedience. I'm not afraid of where you're at right now. In fact, what if I'm going to use that to bring about your call and my glory in your life? Now, you might be like, I don't know about this. Sounds kind of heretical. <laughs> Listen, this is the cross. Peter, at Pentecost, preaches to the people, and he said, your disobedience, you didn't hear the one who had come for you. And you put him on the cross. You killed our Savior. And what did Jesus do through the cross? Brought salvation to all. What does that mean? God used the disobedience of sinful people to bring about the fullness of his purpose in Christ. Listen, why is this important? Because some of us are sitting in the room and you feel like the first part, you're standing in direct opposition, but there's good news to this. Some of us feel like our disobedience has created a wedge between us and God where he can't fulfill his call anymore. Some of us have believed the lie that because of what I'm doing or have done or possibly will do, that there's no chance for me, that the favor of God has left, that the blessing of God has left, right? And there's this wedge of sin. Let me get this straight with you guys. God's grace is way bigger than your sin. His grace is way bigger than your sin. We have to let go of any disqualification because get this, the favor of God has nothing to do with you. Romans 11 says the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. It means that if God wants to work a purpose through you, you better believe he's going to work a purpose through you. If God wants to do something through you like he did through Jonah, he's like, you ain't running away from me. Your disobedience doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going to toss this and I'm going to get people saved even in your disobedience. Some of us have believed the lie and we got to stop listening to the, the enemy because I believe this. In Romans 5, it says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Right? So there's no place in the Christian life to disqualify ourselves, to get caught up in guilt, shame, and condemnation, and separate ourselves from the love of God. Because the scripture that I read says nothing can separate you from it. You're not separated from the love of God. You're not apart from it. You're not distant from it. There's not a wedge in between you and Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're righteous and you stand blameless in his sight. Come on. This is good news. But the story doesn't and there, Jonah chapter one, verse 17, the last verse of the chapter, and this is what we all know the book for, right? It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I've never fished a day in my life, okay? Um, but I got this example from Rick, so if it doesn't relate, blame him, okay? I'm sorry, I'm kidding, I'm messing, I'm messing, I'm messing. But I heard from somebody, a great leader, 
this past week that a lot of fishermen, they have something called a big fish story. And it's that time that they caught the biggest fish that they've ever caught. And usually every time they tell the story, that fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And I would venture to say that we as believers, most of us as believers, we have our own big fish story. It was the moment that that God brought us into a moment or maybe a season of shaking where we recognized our need for him and his spirit did something in our hearts where we finally surrendered and said, you know what, God, you're God and I'm not. Most of us as believers have a big fish story, a moment or a season where God finally got a hold of you. He used something in your life to open up your eyes, to get the scales off your eyes, to be able to see him. And in a moment or a season, you realize, I can't do this life on my own. I can't live in disobedience anymore. I can't live in sin anymore. I can't do things the way that I've thought right in my life. I need a higher power. I need God to come and change my situation. If that's been a story for you, say amen. Amen. We've all had one of these big fish stories. You see, God will use whatever he has to to bring you into freedom. And what he uses for Jonah is a fish, but maybe for you, it was something that happened in your family. I'm not saying he caused it. I'm saying he uses it. Maybe for you, it was a loss. I'm not saying he caused it. I'm saying he uses it. Please get me on that. Okay? Maybe it was a season of mental illness. I'm not saying he caused it. I'm saying he uses it. And there's this moment of shaking where you realize, I cannot do this life on my own. And it's prideful to think you can. My big fish story, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are right here. Amen. They're fantastic. Front row watching their son. Look at that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Do it already. No, I. Sorry, I, I said that and I just, I remembered I had a dream about my father last night where he, where he like surrendered and we connected and it was like, whoa, geez, just by talking about my parents, holy moly. All right, thank you, Lord. Okay, we're back in it. My big fish story is I grew up in a Christian home and uh, spoke in tongues when I was like eight years old. I was a charismatic little kid. And uh, eventually became too cool for school, <laughs> like a lot of kids, and started caring what other people thought about me and started reaching out for a validation from other people. Uh, started getting in a friend group that wasn't okay, started drinking, smoking, partying, you name it. Got caught up in a lot of different addictions during my high school years. 
I was painfully insecure, excruciatingly lonely, started to let certain thoughts of maybe I shouldn't be here anymore start creeping into my mind. I threw a party at my dad's house and I got caught for it. I lied to him about it. And you know what happens? Sometimes you just want your kids to tell the truth, right? Um, And uh, not sometimes, you want them to tell the truth. Um, And I lied straight to his face and I got everything taken from me. I got my car taken from me and my phone taken from me. I couldn't connect with any friends. All of those friends left and I was just sitting in my room just like, what do I do? It was my big fish story. I didn't have another answer. God threw me into the water. And now I'm here, and now I'm getting swallowed by an own fish. But it was in that darkness. It was in that dampness. It was in that despair. It was in the, I don't have another option. I don't have anything left that I met him. It was in that space that God actually shook up something in my life where I realized I can't live the same way I've been living. I need something more powerful. God, I need you to come. And I ended up actually coming to Centerpoint and getting saved. So some of us right now, you're in the big fish story right now. Maybe this morning is your big fish story. You're like, man, I'm out of luck. I need some help. I'm here because I need Jesus. Guess what? The answer is here. The answer is here. Jesus can do amazing things with broken people. And not only that, this blew my mind. I just was, you know, looking over my sermon last night, and I realized this. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, right? And he's getting sent to Nineveh. One of Nineveh's gods... (laughs) is Dagon, half man, half fish. (laughs) And I'm like, the Bible is so cool. (laughs) God shows Jonah who the true God of sea and all the fish is. You see, it was in that big fish story that God was actually preparing him for what he was calling him to. You see, in that season that often we despise, the season of loneliness or the season of darkness or the the season of struggle where we feel like we can't get it together, it actually becomes a season of preparation for what God is calling you to. And maybe the very idols that Jonah was going to break in Nineveh, God was showing him who was Lord of all. And in this season that you're going through, don't despise the season that you're going through because maybe in this season, God is showing you who is Lord of all so that you can break idols and smash strongholds in the future. You with me? He has this big fish story and then he comes to this moment. It's the most beautiful words. It's in Jonah chapter two, verse nine. It says this, Jonah gives this prayer to God while he's in the belly of the fish. And he says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. This right here, it made me cry when I read it. What I have vowed, I will make good. What I have vowed, I will make good. I think some of us this morning need to consider that phrase, what I had promised, I'm going to make good on God. 
What you had called me to, you've called me out of something, I'm gonna make good on that, God. What have you called me to, I'm gonna make good on that. What have you called me to do, I'm gonna make good on that. What have you called me to be for my family, for my wife, for my kids, I'm gonna make good on that. I'm gonna stop living for myself, I'm gonna surrender to you, and I'm gonna make good on what I promised you long ago. Some of us are sitting on a word that we promised the Lord, but we're not doing anything with it, and I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, we gotta follow after Jonah, come into this surrender moment and say, what I have vowed to you, God, I'm going to make good on. You with me? And in verse 10 of chapter 2, it says, and the Lord commanded the fish. In his surrender, God changes the situation. (laughs) And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited. What a picture. Okay? It vomited Jonah onto dry land. Chapter three, verse one, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. This is a beautiful picture because it's not just about having a big fish story and then going on with our lives. There's still a call ahead. There's still work to be done. There's still a world out there that actually needs healing, that needs the breakthrough of Jesus. And some of us can stay in the big fish story and get excited that God saved us, but realize the goal of Christianity is not to get to heaven, it's to get heaven into us so we can give it to the world. You see, he's still got a call on Jonah. He, Jonah could have got out of the big fish. Thanks, God, I'm gonna go back now to Joppa. No, 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 no. He sends him. He gets him out of the big fish, and he says, what I had called you to. Remember that when you said what you had vowed you're going to make good on? Listen, what I've called you to, now go do. It's not about just saying a prayer, and now we're good, and I'm going to live the life, my life the same. It's about recognizing that the big fish story is meant to be a catalyst for God's call in my life to actually bring breakthrough in the world around me. Right? So this is what happens. He goes... This time, Jonah obeyed. Thank the Lord. Goodness gracious. He just needed to put in, get put in the belly of a fish, okay? Obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. <laughs> The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, put on burlap and put on burlap to show their sorrow. What a sermon. (laughs) This guy goes into Nineveh and says eight words, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed from now and Nineveh will be destroyed. Eight words. It's five words in Hebrew. (laughs) Okay, listen, okay. I work pretty hard on my sermons, you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, I sit with the Holy Spirit. I was up late last night. I was like, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? What do you want to speak through me? This guy comes into Nineveh and speaks five Hebrew words and the entire nation gets saved. No stories, no comedy, no handsome guy with pants that are too short for his body. 
None of that. This guy comes in to Nineveh with five Hebrew words, with eight words in English, and the entire nation gets saved. Listen, by the grace of God to a people that are open to hear from him, you only need five words and people are bowing down. Notice the difference here. There's such a contrast between Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah, dove of a man, son of truth, called by God. He's been kicking and screaming the whole way. Nineveh, pagan nation, worshiping other gods, committing atrocities and evil, and all they need is five words from the Holy Spirit, and their entire lives are changed. This might step on some toes. (laughs) Sometimes we as believers can be the most stubborn people. It's true. Sometimes an unbeliever is just waiting for someone to speak one word of kindness, and they're like, I'll give my whole life to Jesus. We get so used to the commands of God, to the scriptures of God, to the decrees and promises of God, to the way that church works. We get in our church bubble, and sometimes we get so used to the gifts of God that our hearts become callous and we can't hear from him. Jonah has been raised up to be a prophet of God and he hears the word of the Lord and he's kicking and screaming the whole way. These people have no prophetic training. They don't know the commands of God. They don't know the promises of God. They hear five words and get saved. Five words in Hebrew and they get saved. And it wasn't even a good sermon. He's like, you're gonna die. They're like, okay. But by the grace of God to hearts that are willing to accept his word. We can't as believers become callous to the promise and the gifts of God. Sometimes we forget that the mercy and the grace of God is a privilege and that being a child of God is a gift. And we... Just like the worst sinners out there don't deserve his grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But sometimes I can think I do because I'm doing all the church things. I'm doing all the Christian things. I'm reading. I'm getting in my Bible every day. I deserve this, God. Come on. You should be following me around, Lord. And God's like, that's not how I operate. No, no, no. You submit to me. I'm God. You're not. You with me? Jesus says this, or well, God, Jesus, same thing, right? Uh, in Ezekiel, he says, I'm gonna take out your stubborn heart and I'm gonna give you a heart tender and responsive to my word. Sometimes we get so used to our Christian life, our Christian bubble, that our hearts become stubborn and then we can't hear the very word of God and we're running and we're fighting and kicking and screaming the whole time. I think there needs to be a change of heart in us as believers, Amen. Because I want to be open to hear from him. That's the whole purpose. I want him to speak and me to obey. Anybody else want that? You see, Jonah missed this point, and this is very important. Nineveh was not the only one who needed transformation. (laughs) 
God didn't put Jonah on this call just to change and transform Nineveh. He put Jonah on this journey and called Jonah because he wanted to change Jonah. Listen, God's not just trying to change the people all around you. He's trying to change you. And oftentimes we're looking at other people and wanting them to change so we can be okay. God's saying, no, 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 you don't focus on other people. Stay in your lane. I'm trying to change you. (laughs) Come on. He's trying to change Jonah. He's not just trying to get to Nineveh. He's not just trying to speak a word to Nineveh. Whatever your Nineveh is, whatever your enemy is, wherever the place you don't want to go, the people you don't want to talk to, he's not just trying to change those people so you can be okay. He's trying to get a hold of your heart and change you. (sighs) We're going to skip through a little bit to Jonah, chapter 4, verse 1. What happens is, That the people of Nineveh, they repent, the word gets to the king, and the king issues a decree, says that everybody in the kingdom must put on sackcloth and ashes and repent before the Lord so that destruction might not come. It says even that they're going to put sackcloth over their animals. Even the animals got saved in the kingdom. All dogs go to heaven. God, that was so dumb. All right. So they get saved. And Jonah, he goes up onto the hill, onto the east side of the city to look over at Nineveh, and he's waiting for God to come and crush it. He's got an idea of what God's justice should look like. And he's waiting for God to come and crush this city. But in verse 1, chapter 4, it says this, God relents of his anger because he's actually merciful on the people. And Jonah, he's so silly. Okay, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. I love that the Lord gives us the space to do this with him. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish in the first place. Why? I knew that you're merciful and compassionate God. Slow to get anger and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be a dead man than alive if what I predicted won't happen. This would have been the greatest day of my life. (laughs) Speak five words, an entire nation gets saved. I'm skipping back home. Jonah preaches five words, the entire nation gets saved, and he's angry at God for being good. Shows that he's got a heart posture that's a little off. It shows that his idea of justice isn't aligning with God's idea of justice. It shows that he's privileging his judgment over God's true justice. And blinded by his own self-righteousness and judgment of another people, he doesn't even want the redemption of the Lord to come. He knows God's good. It's the very reason he ran away in the first place is because he knew God would bring salvation. Again, it could be real easy. I can't believe Jonah. Come on, 
I bet all of us could think of a person that even maybe you've been praying for, but if God saved you, just be like, are you sure about that one, God? <laughs> Let's be honest. I, I got this very specific uh, word last night that, that some of us are like praying for somebody in our family and we're praying that they be saved. But if they did get saved, we'd also be angry that they got saved. <laughs> because it would come by the grace of the Lord and you're actually angry that the grace of the Lord would come, <laughs> right? And, and we could be like Jonah in this, you see, because sometimes our idea of justice is this, crush the wicked, God. Destroy them, God. Get rid of them, God. Bring restoration by getting them, God. Go after them, Lord. We have an idea of justice and I'm thinking this, I don't think that idea of justice matches up with God's idea of justice. Thank God, this is the last thing I have for you, that God's mercy is greater than our judgment. Sometimes we see Nineveh in everybody else except for ourselves. Politics. Nineveh. Republicans, Nineveh. Democrats, Nineveh. President, Nineveh. Someone who wronged you, Nineveh. Someone who spoke gossip about you, Nineveh. On social media, Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh. Sometimes we see Nineveh and everybody else. What if God wants to deal with Nineveh in you? Jonah has a self-focused view of justice. God, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have time to go into the scriptures, but God sends this leafy plant because he's trying to teach Jonah a lesson in justice. And he sends this leafy plant, and the leafy plant shades Jonah from the sun. And he's like, oh, he's feeling happy, right? And then God sends a worm to take the plant away the next day. And Jonah's like, just kill me, Lord. I can't get anything to go my way. And God says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he says, yeah, it is. And he says, well, shouldn't I also have mercy on Nineveh that has 120,000 people then? See, Jonah, you have a critical mistake. You love justice when it has to do with you. But when it has to do with others, you refrain it and you get angry at me for being merciful to people. He's got a self-focused view of justice. That's not God's justice. Justice is other-focused. God's justice is based and rooted in his love and his mercy and his redemption for his people. God's justice doesn't just have to do with you. It has to do with humanity. And sometimes we have a self-focused view of justice. When things are going my way, the, God, the justice of the Lord is happening. But when something happens with another person and a person we don't like gets blessed, are you kidding me? <laughs> Listen, we, we see people wrong. And I'm not, I'm not apart from it. I was at Chipotle last week. I feel like every sermon story, it has to do with Chipotle for some reason, because I'm always there. 
and I was getting lunch with a leader, and I saw a guy, and he was uh, asking people for money to wash their windows. And you don't see that a lot in Marietta. And we all do it. <laughs> that thing, don't look at him. <laughs> and I'm sitting there at lunch, I'm like, that's interesting. And he starts walking towards us, like, look down, just eat your food. <laughs> and I got convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because I'm looking at this guy like he's Nineveh. God sees him. God knows him. God loves him. And I'm looking away from him. I'm not too far from Jonah sometimes. We got to deal with Nineveh in us. I heard this this last week as well. And it was also from a very great pastor, Pastor Rick. He said this. He said, if you want to see revival come, draw a circle around yourself and pray for revival to come everywhere in that circle. Isn't that good? Come on, sometimes we're praying for God to bring breakthrough, for him to bring revival, and we're seeing all of the wickedness in the world, and we're casting judgment, and we're seeing Nineveh everywhere. And God is saying, hey, if you want to see revival, if you want to see my kingdom come, I want you to draw a circle around yourself and ask for me to change everything in that circle. Because guess what? If I get lit on fire with a healthy flame, everywhere I go, revival's going to go. God's going to go. Why? Because I'm not focused on you to change so that I can change. I'm asking him to change me. And the him changing me will naturally bring effect in this world. Don't look to other people. Don't try and get Nineveh to change before you're okay, before your anger can subside, before you feel like you can love people. Don't wait on that because if you're waiting on that, your life's gonna be all over the place and it's gonna be frustrating. But if you ask God to come into your life and change you, change the way I respond, Lord. Change the way I see people, God. Change the way I burn for you, God. Change the way I worship, God. Get rid of my addictions, God. Get rid of my condemnation of people, God. Get rid of anything wicked in me, God. Transform me, God. Transform me, God. You get alone and you say, I don't even know what it looks like, God, but I know I need your transformation. Change me, change me, change me, change me. And God will answer that prayer every single time. He will answer that prayer every single time. You're praying for other people to change. You're messing with their own free will. It probably ain't coming. You're asking for you to change. You're surrendering to God. I, you bet your bottom dollar he's coming. Amen? See the big picture here, and I'll end with this. See the big picture. This is the story of us, this Jonah story. It's a story of us. It's It's disobedience, it's radical big fish moments, radical grace given to us that we don't deserve, our own journey of frustration and stubbornness dealing with God's new system in his kingdom, and then him teaching us a lesson. 
And I love what Jesus says. He validates this story so much. He says, the, the Pharisees come to him and they say, Jesus, give us a sign. And he says, the only sign I'm gonna give you is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, I'm gonna spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he says this, this is powerful stuff. He says, he says the people of Nineveh will judge you because they repented and you're, be, you're the one being stubborn. <laughs> did the mic drop? <laughs> God did it. He's all <laughs> pushing stuff over. What's Jesus saying in this moment? He said, I'll give you a sign. It's going to be my death. I'll give you a sign. You want a sign from me? I'll give you a sign. I'm going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth for your salvation. So what does that mean? He's saying, don't be stubborn like Jonah. Don't be stubborn like the people of Israel. Actually open up your heart like Nineveh does. Maybe we can learn something from Nineveh rather than judging it. He's saying, open up your heart just like Nineveh did and repent. I'm calling your name. I'm calling you out of something, into something, to be something. Don't wait another second. Don't get stubborn and callous and hard-hearted. I'm calling your name. And everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. No disclaimers, no asterisks, everyone, anyone. You're not disqualified from the grace of God. You're not disqualified from his love. You're not too far from redemption. His grace is way bigger than your disobedience and his justice is mercy for you. The ultimate view of justice was Jesus dying on the cross for you. You know what God's justice looks like? Redemption. And he's calling us. If you're already believing him, he's calling you to something higher. He's calling you to something deeper. He's calling you to let go of your preconceived notions and judgments about other people. And he's calling you to ask him to change you specifically. And if you haven't met Jesus before, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then maybe right now is your big fish story where God says, hey, listen, you're in a season of shaking. You're in a moment of shaking. I wanna do something in that shaking. I'm bringing you to a place of surrender. I'm bringing you to a place where you recognize and realize your need from me. You've been doing things on your own for way too long, and what has that caused you? But I offer eternal life. I offer wisdom. I offer true freedom. And so I wanna give the opportunity, if we could pray together, this morning, I want to give the opportunity to anybody who's in the room and you're like, man, I'm like Jonah, I'm running away from God. I'm running away from his call for me, running away from Nineveh. I've been judgmental, critical, cynical. I've been stuck in all of my ways. I need God to transform my heart and I need a relationship with him. If that's you this morning and you're saying, man, I need you, God. I need you, Jesus. I need you to change something in me. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender to you. If that's you, can you just do me a favor and raise your hand right now? Amen. Keep your hand up. We have somebody that 
has a Bible for you, wants to pray with you. Amen, brother. Amen. Anybody else? Keep your hand up for us. We have a Bible for you. And we want to pray with you. Yeah. Keep your hand up, brother. Anybody else? I want to give space. I want to give time. Is there one more? If you did raise your hand, just go ahead and put your hand over your heart with me. Just say something like this, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Wash me clean and make me new. I surrender to you, God. Whatever you want to do through me, do it. I love you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again from the dead. I call on your name this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate what God did this morning? So good. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's give God praise. I just wanna pray one prayer with everybody. If you just wanna repeat after me, everyone just to say, Jesus, change me. I need your transformation. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. I give my judgments to you. And I ask that you transform the way that I see people. Help me love other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.